football, <laughs> baseball, <laughs> basketball, anything sports. Auburn's 91.1 FM WEGL presents the scoreboard with your co-hosts, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcomed at 334-844-9345 or follow them on Twitter at Jacob underscore Hillman 3 or at Bay underscore Marks. Now, let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Oh man, we have a lot to unpack today. There's a lot going on in the sports world. Uh, something we were going to get to today, but we'll save it as a surprise for the end uh, for what we will speak on now. We were going to talk about the Lakers winning the NBA Finals in the bubble, the most unique NBA playoffs ever in the mo- most unique NBA season ever. Former con- commissioner passing away, Kobe Bryant passing away, uh, everything going on inside the bubble and before the bubble. It just all accumulated to being one of the weirdest, most unique experiences in NBA history, and it ended with the Lakers tying the Celtics for all-time championships. So congratulations to LeBron on his fourth Finals MVP as well. So we will have something else in place of that for the final segment today. But for now, we will go ahead and talk about Auburn football as well as college football. Jacob, neither of us were able to go to the Arkansas game last week, which, if you know us, that is very rare. I mean, that's <laughs> Surprise, rare. Surprise, the world didn't end. Hey, with Auburn sports, it feels <laughs> like it might. Um, so, so me and Jacob didn't go to the game last week, and Auburn squeaks out a last-second victory with the Anders Carlson field goal. They beat Arkansas at home in a very rainy and sloppy contest. And now they will move on to Columbia, South Carolina, traveling to the Gamecocks. I will have a preview article up on Weagle later today. It is up. It is written. I will tweet that link out. If you want to go check it out right now, it's on WeagleFM.com, but I will tweet that link later if you follow me on social media. So that preview is up as well. So, Jacob, before we get into the rest of college football talk, let's go ahead and break down this game uh, what are your general thoughts to begin with? Uh, yikes, but then I think about Tank, Big, Tank Bigsby. Um, it was a great, great opening start for Tank Bigsby. Uh, and I really am excited about him coming out of nowhere. Not, I wouldn't say coming out of nowhere, but you know, he, he wasn't expected to get a start this early in his career. But here we are. And he really showed out. He's improved every single week. Week one, he only got a few carries and... And it was like three yards per carry. Week two, he shined in the receiving game. Was Auburn's leading receiver against Georgia. Not saying much, but he still had 70 yards. And then, of course, 268 all-purpose yards in the Arkansas game, including 100 kick return yards and 148 on the ground. 146, maybe. But he runs so hard. And I don't see him slowing down at any point. I think I tweeted this late, late Saturday night. He's going to be in that top tier of Auburn running backs for his career's over if he goes like this pace. And I don't I don't feel like I'm jinxing it. I feel pretty confident in saying that. And I don't think anyone would doubt that because the way he's running behind an O-line that is struggling, imagine what it's going to be like when he's behind a competent O-line. Yeah. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, he, he has been one of the lone bright spots for Auburn so far this year after that Kentucky game. Um he was one of the top running back slash athletes in the nation last year in the class. He was five-star on multiple uh, recruiting websites, and he was a high four-star in the others. Um, no doubt the talent's there. He got the nod week two with Sean Shivers being banged up, him and DJ Williams kind of splitting the reps in the Georgia game. But like you said, his impact was felt. Uh, and then last week against Arkansas, he really shined on the offensive side of the ball. Him and Anthony Schwartz, Anthony had a great game. Um, no, I agree with the fact that if he keeps up the pace, he could definitely end up in that top tier of running backs because – it's not like you said that he just runs hard. He was Auburn's leading receiver in week two. He can go out of the backfield, catch a check down route, 
run for 10 or 15 more yards. Um, he's just so athletic and dynamic, and you could see it Saturday, even though there was the combination of it being raining and missed tackles, he was able to bounce off guys, and I think he had he had a super high total of 14. yards after contact. He, well, he also had 14 broken tackles. So, yeah, and that's crazy too. Um, but the the yards after yards after contact is really what impresses me is like you said the dude runs hard as crap I mean he doesn't stop running he churns his feet he keeps his eyes downfield and he's elusive you saw several plays where he'd go to the left saw the blocking assignment break down he just kind of just looked back on the inside saw an open hole and went back that way for 10 or 15 more yards um, so I, I like the the point you make about him being in that top tier running backs and I think I've mentioned it in the article that'll be up on WeagleFM.com. He is definitely going to be, along with Bo Nix on the offensive side of the ball, uh, the key factors win this game. He he really showed like his humbleness as well after the game. He was the only person not happy with the game he played. And you talk about, you know, he didn't get in the end zone. That is yeah, true. he didn't. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet, but he, it feels like he scored like two or three. I mean, 268 all-purpose yards is insane. So he's still looking to improve, and... I expect it to keep happening. I mean, I don't think that was the best possible game he could have played. I think that there's definitely still a higher ceiling than what we've seen so far. Um, I, I really like the way he's running. Yeah. And I really think he's going to be a factor the rest of the year. He ran for 146 yards on 20 carries last week. He has ju- He's just shy under 200 on the year, so not quite on—he has 192 on the year, so not quite on average for 1,000 yards because Auburn is— has been home of the thousand yard rushers within the past ten to fifteen years. It's gonna be a lot more difficult this year with only ten games. Yeah, that was the point I was gonna make, and the fact that Auburn's O line keeps shuffling seven and eight guys, which we could get into a whole discussion about as well. But um, moving on to this game on Saturday, what do you see? You know, I, I'm confident in Auburn coming out and getting a victory because I don't buy South Carolina. I know they played Florida close. I know they beat Vanderbilt by a lot. They played Tennessee close on the road as well. They did. No, at home. I just do not trust the South Carolina team. And I, I, I really see Auburn coming out winning pretty easy. I don't think they're going to win by 20 points or something like that. But they're going to be – it's going to be a handed, handily victory for Auburn. I mean, I'd say Auburn by 14. Hey, a two-score victory lately kind of seems like a big victory for Auburn. It would be. I remember last week we said Auburn needed to win by two scores for it not to feel yep. like a loss. and It felt like a loss. buddy. Yeah, it should have been a loss if we're being completely honest. Yep. Well, what's your thought? Let's talk about that before we move ahead. What's that? The the backward spike. Okay, I think there's two different ways I can look at it. I can look at it from the referee's perspective of by rule the ball wasn't quote immediately recovered. There was hesitation, regardless of if it was Auburn or Arkansas. Everybody did hesitate for a second. Second, I do see the fact of Arkansas where Bo Nix did technically throw it backwards which by rule is a fumble because he had already fumbled the ball once and picked it up, and instead of a forward pass or forward spike into the ground, he turned to the side and his arm went behind him. So I do see both sides of the coin. Um, the the Barner in me wants to say that it was a spike and that it wasn't a fumble, but by rule, like or it, I can see it being a fumble. For me, it wasn't even close. Arkansas got screwed. But it's not like it was Auburn's fault. It was the referees blowing the whistle too early. And yeah. it's unfortunate. I do think that if the referees didn't blow the whistle, Shedrick Jackson had a chance to recover it. So I say they got screwed, but I also am not 100% confident in that. But in my mind, I looked at that. As soon as it happened, I... And DJ Williams was right there. I knew so. I was... He swiped that backwards. Yeah. And, you know, I... Like I said, if they don't blow the whistle, who knows what happens? And that's the issue. Yeah. I... 
And I also look at the referee, you know, the video of him when he's looking at it and he shakes his head like he knows he misses it. It's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And there, like I said, there is the rule of the continuation of a play where if the ball is not immediately recovered, yada, 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 with so, so on and so forth with the rules connecting to each other. But um, as far as this weekend goes, personally for me, it's really Auburn getting guys back from injury. I mean, you look at it, you have team captain and big cap Bryant. He's been banged up even since the Kentucky game. He didn't start the Kentucky game. Hardly played against Georgia and had no impact. Getting him back healthy right now is huge for that D-line push. D-line has improved with Colby Wooden, Zykevious Walker. Getting sacks, getting pressure. They are. They've started to get sacks and pressure. I don't know if it was just against Arkansas. We'll see against South Carolina. Um, Getting Seth Williams fully healthy. Getting Eli Stove back. Getting Sean Shivers back. Even though you do have Tank Bigsby, it's not going to hurt to have another guy with experience. The guy that's a team captain and originally was your starting running back. So you're not going to get K.J. Brick bat for indefinitely so we can't count on him is getting guys back healthier than ever and like we said it all comes down to that o-line i think in order for jack mcnell jr to do what he was came here to do to reestablish this o-line and rebuild its resume here as of late he has to find those five maybe even six guys and stop rotating the seven or eight that have been there brandon council has had a great year he's played at four different positions on the o-line as cole kublik who was on the show a few weeks ago pointed out Left guard, right guard, right tackle, and offset O-lineman. Keandre Jones, he's came in. He's played solid at the right tackle position. Nick Brahms. Jones is the guy I've been impressed with. Jones has played really well. I think he's going to find a permanent spot on the line. I agree. Because I thought going into the year, I was like, he's going to be really good in the future, but I'm not sure about right now. Right now, they plug him in. He's huge, fills up the gaps, great blocker. I agree. He was a highly touted recruit, too. Um, where it comes down to me is Brahms has been a little on and off. Especially against Georgia, we saw that. I think he understands that. He's been trying to fix it. And then the tackles. You've had Bradarius Ham, who was battling injuries after Georgia. You've had the mixture of Austin Troxel and uh, uh, Alec Jackson, excuse me, uh, rotating in a left tackle. And then you have Tashawn Manning, who's not a tackle, but he was playing a right guard who has been in and out as well. So for me, the key to Auburn as well is getting a set O-line and dominating that run game. If you dominate the run game at the o- with the O-line, Tank Bixby is going to run insane that is the strength of south carolina's defense they allow less than 100 rushing yards per game it'll be a good test yeah so definitely the passing game and i also said this in my article this i think this is probably the best and honestly easiest chance for bo Nix to prove what he is on the road because bo Nix and road games in his auburn career was a bit he- big head shake so so far this is a big this is a big stepping stone for him to get comfortable on the road so i like auburn uh i like auburn by 10 on the road moving on Let's go ahead and get down to the biggest game this weekend, Jacob. As everybody knows, head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide, Nick Saban, has come down with coronavirus. He is asymptomatic, but that does not stop the fact that the Alabama Crimson Tide will be hosting the number three ranked Georgia Bulldogs this week in a battle of three traveling to number two. Seven o'clock game on CBS. Who do you see winning this game and why? I really don't. Nick Saban not coaching doesn't change my prediction that much. I still think Alabama is going to win because... That Alabama offense is explosive. And I don't think the defense is bad enough. I think that they can still affect Stetson Bennett. And we'll we'll see how the how the Georgia offense does. But I don't last week was rough for Alabama's defense. There's no getting past that. But I think they can figure it out. And I think they can do some work against the Georgia offense. I've got Alabama by three, four. Less than a touchdown. Oh, I thought you meant scores. Oh, like, my God. No, 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 no. no, Georgia is still a good football team. But I just think Alabama, they've got it this year. Whew. 
<laughs> you scared Sorry, me. Sorry, scary. Like no, that. you're good. Um, I like Alabama too in this game. I like them by maybe one score, if not less, like you were saying. The spread right now is four and a half in favor of the Tide. I'm just not bought in on Stetson Bennett. I'm really not. I think he's a good quarterback, a little bit above average, but he's not enough on the road to compete with Alabama. Samir White's a great running back, already has over 200 yards and four touchdowns on the year. And then Kiaris Jackson, he's had a solid year so far with over 300 receptions and a touchdown. He had a great game against Auburn and Athens a few weeks ago. I am worried about Alabama's defense. I think that's what's going to keep it close. I think it's not going to be as much of a shootout as Ole Miss, but I think this game does get into the 30s, maybe even lower 40s. I think Bama wins this game, like you said, just because of how explosive they are. And Mac Jones, who would have thought the dude was one of the Heisman contenders right now with over 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns, and only one interception. And I think he's he's like barely behind the mark that Joe Burrow was at at this point last year. He looks good. He looks really good. So I like Alabama in this game, like you said, by score, maybe even less. I still like Kyle Trask for Heisman, though. I do, too. <clears throat> I do, too. <laughs> and Kyle Pitts. Unfortunately, Kyle Pitts, We can see a tight end win it. That'd be awesome. But unfortunately, their game got postponed, so... It did. Moving on. Number one Clemson, 11 a.m. game, travels to Georgia Tech. This is pretty easy for both of us. I think we both know where we're going. Clemson, Clemson. by a lot. Clemson by a lot. I agree. Do they well. cover 27 points, though? Mm, no. I'll say barely. 31. Okay. I say no. I think it's a 24-21 game. Or 24-21 point win. Yeah. Then Miami, another ACC game, hosting Pitt. Ooh, they looked bad last week. Who's that? Miami against mm-hmm. against Clemson. Now it might have been, you know, they're playing Clemson, but they look rough. Boston College. Hey, remember the last time Pitt played a ranked Miami team? When was that? Is twenty seventeen maybe? Miami was number two, looking to get in the college football playoff. You're right. Last week of the season. That's my upset special. Pitt over Miami. Wow. Never pick against Pitt, especially if you're Jared Dillard. No, Pitt. You pick Pitt when they're playing a ranked team, but if they're playing an unranked team when they're ranked pick the unranked team i'm not that ambitious this week i'll pick miami at home just because Derek king and because of rhett lashley i know they had a bad week against clemson but i think everybody in the acc is gonna have a bad week against clemson this year as always i have miami at home quick sec game kentucky at number 18 tennessee tennessee suffering its first loss of the year last week in athens who do you have in this game tennessee looked good in that first half and i don't think that second half represents what this team is like at all so i'm gonna pick tennessee um, and they're going to cover that six-point spread. I agree. I think Tennessee at home wins comfortably, probably by about two scores. I'm not fully in on Kentucky this year. They played Auburn well for a minute, but like you said, against Georgia last week, that's really what I kind of looked at, even though they lost the game by a lot. That first half kind of said something with me for Tennessee, so I like Tennessee in that game. Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Texas A&M upsetting the Florida Gators last week on a last-second field goal. Do you like the Aggies on the road? I do. Mississippi State... I think they're going to be on and off this year. I really do. I think they're going to still win some games they shouldn't, kind of like they did against LSU. After, man, that Kentucky game is disastrous. So we'll see what happens with Mississippi State the rest of the year, but I think they're going to be on and off. I don't think it'll be enough this week to uh, to knock off the Aggies. I agree. I, I'm not super high on Mississippi State this year. I think they'll get a win or two that they aren't supposed to, like you said, but especially with that momentum rolling into this game, I have the Aggies. And one more before we go to break. Out of conference of the SEC, number five, North Carolina, travels in prime time on ABC to Florida State. We were talking about this game yesterday. Do you have North Carolina winning it? Yes, because Florida State is just a dumpster fire. Thank you for tuning in to the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Time to move on. 
to the NFL where week six will not get underway tonight because of COVID-19 postponements and rescheduling. It was a great Thursday night game scheduled tonight. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills are now moved to Monday night. So we're going to get a Monday night doubleheader, which will be cool. That'll be on Fox at 4 o'clock Central, leading up to the Cardinals and Cowboys on ESPN. But, I mean, let's talk a little bit before we get into the matchups this week. Let's talk about how this COVID stuff has been just affecting the NFL and kind of kind of our thoughts on it. Because, you know, the Tennessee Titans looked like they were going to get the whole season canceled. The funniest picture from that game the other night was the picture of Derrick Henry stiff-arming... Uh, Josh Norman, and it was uh, the Titans as Derrick Henry, and then him stiff arming the CDC <laughs> guidelines. It was hilarious. Well, here's the thing: like the Titans had 23. I think they got up to 23 total positives. Every other team in the league has had positives here and there, but it's only one or two. No big deal. That's fine. They they go isolate, they go quarantine, and you prevent a spread. Well, the Titans over here are holding practices at high schools. That that did happen, where they're not supposed to be. You know. They lead the team facility, but you're not supposed to be practicing when you have that kind of outbreak. You, who knows who else has it? So, fortunately, we've made it this far. And it seems like the Titans spread is going down. The cases are going down. Uh, the Falcons, they did have to leave the facility yesterday because an assistant coach tested positive. But they're going to return tomorrow. And hopefully that all goes well. My thought on it has just been trying to trying to remember in my mind when games are getting moved to, what games are getting moved back, pushed up. It's tough for a fan. It is. It's tough. And especially it's tough on NFL fantasy, too. Fantasy football is what I was going to say. That's a big market for the NFL, and they're having to deal with that. You know, waiver wires are different. They're going through on Thursdays because there's Tuesday Points night games. Will retract, like, a game that's going to take place six weeks down the road is going to count for the game this week. I know tons like, of people that didn't start Bills players this week, like Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, which might have been a good thing because ugh. they didn't play well. But they didn't start them, you know, when you would clearly start them because they're thinking, there's no way they play that game on Tuesday. Because yeah. t- the Titans are still getting positives on Sunday. Yeah. The thing is, is it's a different season. We're going to have to deal with it. Tuesday night football's cool. Yeah. Double headers on Monday night's cool. Yeah. Does anyone really like Thursday night football? Some um, Sometimes. They're normally for the bad yeah. matchups. So we, we had a good Thursday night football matchup like a week or two ago. We did. The, the Bears and Bucks was a fun yes. matchup. The thing is... I just, when I look at it, I think the protocols in place are, they work. But it's whether the teams follow them. And the Titans did not follow them, clearly. I think every other team's following them. You know, the Falcons, they have one assistant coach test positive, and they all go home. And tomorrow they're going to get tested again. And if anyone tests positive, then things are probably going to sh- shake up again. I think it also is due to false negatives and false positives. Because people are more subject to getting the negative test and sending them through when it could be a false negative, just like there's false positives. You get a false positive test, everybody freaks out. It's like, hey, we got to shut down the facility for a few days till, excuse me, till that person gets tested for two or three more times, sees, okay, that was a false positive, and then everybody can come back. So I think it's a mixture of all those things. Yeah, and that's why I think it's good that they test every single day because, yeah. you know, like Nick Saban, he tests positive, he immediately goes home, it prevents spreading it. Whereas if you know if you don't test every single day, you know he's going to test positive that day, but he doesn't. He's going to go to practice. He's going to yell. He's going to get in someone's face, spread and it. then you spread it, and then they spread it, and then exactly because especially it. especially in college, it's a little bit different because you know you got college kids. None of us are responsible. I'm not going to lie. No one's responsible. Sure, Bay is the most responsible person on the Auburn's campus, <laughs> but. And it might be a little different in the NFL. Maybe not. Well, they get they can afford to test every day, and they can afford they to. Can. They can afford to sanitize every square inch of their facility. I mean, 
Who knows? They could do stuff like that. With that being said, the NFL season is still on. Yes. And the Titans will be playing this weekend. The Bills will be playing on Monday night. We don't know what the Falcons are going to do if they come back with some positives. But right now, everything is as scheduled after the postponements. Let's get into the matches. We'll start off with the team. We'll start off with your Packers coming off a bye. This is a big matchup on Sunday. I'd say this is the biggest matchup on Sunday. It's huge. Packers, Bucks, Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. Two of the best quarterbacks to ever live. Where are you leaning? Well, I think you know where I'm leaning. I just hey, yeah, I know that. But I I'm f- why false. Well, I'm confident in this game, but I'm I keep like in the back of my head. I'm like, don't be confident because this is one of those games. Is like you're coming off a bye. Tampa just lost a game that they could have won. They have Tom Brady for crying out loud. I mean, the, the matchup predictor has it in favor of Tampa, but the spreads in our favor. The spreads literally won. Like this game is going to be close. It's at Tampa Bay. It's I would toss feel, up. I'd feel a lot better if it was in Green Bay. Just because it'd be a home game, but I say the Packers win it, but like maybe by like a field goal or a touchdown. Like it's gonna be close. I I agree. You know, coming off the Falcons game was not the prettiest game in the world for the Packers. They they could have won that game by a lot more than they did, and that's possibly why it was. It might it was a blowout. Might have lost some focus. So be it. Coming off a of bye week though, they're gonna be fine. I think they're gonna beat the be the Bucks handily. I'm not sure it'll be as close as the spread indicates or the matchup predictor indicates. I, I think the Packers handled them pretty easily. I, I just am not sold on Tom Brady this year. I, I think it's also going to be a key of using the tight ends because, as you saw, Green Bay's been using a lot lately as our tight ends in our passing game. Absolutely. That complimenting Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard and Devontae when he's fully healthy, that's a... F- that, now, that is, that is also something... The Bucks' pass defense is solid, led by a lot of Auburn. Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. Carlton Davis is tied for the NFL leading interceptions with three. He's a ball hawk right now. So I am Aaron Rodgers. I'm very nervous. So I say Green Bay wins it, but they're going to win it on the ground. Moving on to, I guess we'll move on to my Carolina. I was Panthers. just about to say, let's do your Panthers. Chicago the, at Carolina. This is going to be interesting. The Bears are four and one somehow. Somehow. Somebody said, are they a team of luck or are they a team of fate? Because like their first like three or four games... Honestly, they might be a team of destiny with Nick Foles. Well, the, apparently they're trying to get Matt Ryan from what you told me earlier. They, yeah, that their quarterback situation is still crazy, but Falcons are looking or shopping Matt Ryan at some point. I don't know if they are right now or if they're going to wait till the end of the season, but Bears would be a good landing spot for him. You know I want to pick the Panthers. I know you do, but I'm not. And I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm confident. You know, I was saying tank for Trevor... Nah, forget win it. Win the Super Bowl. You're over 500. Win right the now. whole thing. The, divi- the division. The only reason the Panthers aren't in the lead of the division is just because of some tiebreakers. I mean, give me the Panthers, and I think this is going to be the start of the momentum shift because CMC comes back soon. I have a that's true, and a great compliment to Mike Davis. I have a really bad feeling that Carolina's got this building momentum, and just for some weird reason, I don't know why, so don't ask me, but for some weird reason, Chicago's just going to stomp on top of it like an ant, and they win by like two scores. It's possible. I have Chicago winning. I don't know by how much, so don't ask me, but I do have Chicago winning. I just don't... Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater isn't y'all's long-term answer. I think that's what it comes down to. I think Chicago's defense kind of just gets to him a little bit. That's what it comes down to for me. Broncos-Patriots, one of the games that was postponed. It was supposed to be on Monday night. That didn't happen. It got moved to this Sunday. And that's this, this is the game that really shuffled the whole entire schedule. 
But Cam Newton returns. Who do we have in this game? We have the Patriots. Do we? We do. We do. Okay. Cam will be back. Julian Edelman's still a little banged up. I think he should be good to go, but we'll see. New England wins this game. I think it's kind of obvious having Cam back. That offense just wasn't the same against Kansas City. We did get to see Jarrett Stidham. We did. One of those interceptions was not his fault. The other one was horrendous. Yeah, the other one was bad. He did have a touchdown pass, so I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> I think he played better than Brian Hoyer. Hoyer did not was not able to move the ball at all. He, so that's a whole different thing. But having came back, this offense would be a lot more fluid. I think Bill Belichick would be able to do a lot more things on offense as well. I like New England in this game. Let's move on to the twelve, the game of the twelve o'clock window. You know, probably not what you expected going into the season. To you know, when you looked at this week, obviously the Broncos and Patriots weren't. Don't tell me what it here. is. I already know what you're going. Oh, say. it's the Browns and Steelers. It's the best game in this window. Oh, I thought you were... I'm sorry. I thought you were about to say the football team against New York. Oh, no. We can talk about that, no, though. No, Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. Browns-Steelers, surprisingly. The Browns are 4-1. This is the first Somehow. time in forever. The Steelers, I doubt them. They're coming off a bye week. Because they were supposed to... Or, no, excuse me. They're coming off a win against uh, the Texans. Let me know their schedule. I'm wrong They're coming off that. a win against the, the Eagles. Eagles. The Eagles, who fought back in that game. They blew a, I think... It was a 17-point lead. And, you know, I didn't expect that. The Eagles are not very good this year. I thought the Steelers were going to roll, but I'm picking the Browns. Really? Baker Mayfield. And it's not not just the Baker Mayfield has four interceptions so far this year. Give me Big Ben. Over 1,000 yards passing already this year, 10 touchdowns and one pick. Give me Chase Claypool, who I picked up on my fantasy team this week. Give me the Steelers at home by two scores. Chase Claypool's already the leading receiver in re- reception yards for the Steelers this year. He had like year. 20 touchdowns last week, so... Four. Close, though. I mean... It's close. You know it's an exaggeration. Pittsburgh at home by two scores. Sunday night football. Rams 49ers. I, did you see that 49ers game last weekend? I did. Oh, my goodness. Don't want to talk about it. I picked them to win. I mean... I should have known better than to pick against the Dolphins. When I have that gut feeling, just like against Jacksonville, I picked them, but I didn't. Do the Rams roll? Because I'll tell you what, I am doubting the Rams because they've so their four wins are against NFC East teams. True. And they lost by three against one of the best teams in the AFC. They though. blew. They almost came back on. The they Bills. had the lead. I like I like the Rams personally. I do too. I think San Francisco is not that Super Bowl team they were last year so far not this year. At all. Their defense doesn't look the same. Their offense isn't as proficient. I like the Rams in this game, honestly. Yeah, I, I really just am not trusting Jimmy G right now. So it's kind of tough, but Rams by a score. Looking at Monday night, uh, we'll, we'll pick Cardinals-Cowboys first, and we'll we'll end off with probably the game of the week. Cardinals, uh, prayers up to Dak as he heals his leg. Man, that was rough. Horrific injury, great guy. Uh, wish nothing but the best for him, but they're not going to be the same team. They do have the best backup quarterback in the league in Andy Dalton. I know that's been said a lot this week, but it's true. He has been to Pro Bowl, so, um, but regardless, that offense won't be the same. I don't think he's going to be able to throw the ball around to Amari Cooper as well. He's been, I think, C.D. Lambs, who he really is going to be trying to throw to, and Michael Gallup, but I like the Cardinals in this game, so just give me Arizona. Cardinals have been up and down, but you're right. It's going to be tough for the Cowboys to bounce back after the injury. Give me the Cardinals as well. You know, I'm going to say game of the week. You know, I think it's a little bit better than the Packers-Bucks game. It is, yeah. I mean, Chiefs-Bills. 
I so want to pick the Bills. The Bills. But I can't. The Chiefs are going to bounce back from that loss. I think so, too. That's They're, the only reason why. But the Bills did just get embarrassed, too, so, I mean, you could say that for them. I like Kansas City. I just have a gut feeling that they, they get to pull away at the end with Patrick Mahomes and his experience. I, I think Josh Allen throws one too many picks in this game. I think he throws one or two interceptions. I think that's a good prediction. Coming off a Tuesday night game that was rough against the Titans. Who the Titans, I think they're for real. So it's not like that's the end of the world for the Bills. I still think they're going to go on to win the division. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Third segment of the hour, we are going to get into the MLB postseason, the American League Championship Series, and the National League Championship Series are underway. American League is almost about to be wrapped up. It's 3-1. to one. It was 3-0. Houston won last night. Or no. That was last night. Houston did win last my night. My mind is so... I have an accounting exam, and my mind is just... <laughs> Y'all have no idea. Um, regardless, Houston's up 1-0 right now on the top of the second in the American League Championship Series. If the Rays can win tonight, they can close it out. If not, Houston will force a Game 6. Please, for America, Tampa Bay, win tonight and just end it, or win tomorrow as long as they don't win. And then your Braves take an incredible 2-0 series lead after nearly blowing Game 2, shut it out, secure that second don't victory. give me the happiness. And then on Kyle Wright Day... The Dodgers love Kyle Wright Day. <laughs> they just absolutely teed off on the guy. Didn't even buddy, get through an inning. Buddy. And won the game. And I'll let you give the score to the game. Buddy. Well, I don't even remember what the score was. The I know the Braves scored three runs. And I, the Dodgers scored 11 in the first inning. The most runs ever in Major League Baseball postseason history. And it was the, it was the most since, you know, last year. Uh, last year when uh, the Cardinals decided to kill the Braves in Game Five, I think it was eighteen to three. Was that the correct score? It was bad, regardless. I can't remember exactly what it was, but oh, well, who knows? We've got a Braves fan calling in, Daniel from Helena. Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I'll tell you guys why. Oh. He was Auburn's newest acceptance. Oh wow! Is that that's you, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Congratulations. I'm just double checking, man. Oh, he's gonna call in. He's like, "Oh yeah, my my buddy down the street, <laughs> dude. My neighbor got accepted." Congratulations, Daniel. We're happy for you, brother. Thanks so much. So how's that gonna? I know. I know. Are you still going in the um uh, in the Marines next year? Um, we'll see. Okay. This is a game challenge. Honestly, I was not expecting to get in. Gotcha. So, so you, you still got options. Yeah. Gotcha. That's cool. But but what? What are? I want to hear your thoughts. On these Bravos. Well, um, can we just pretend last night didn't happen? I hope that's what the Braves do. Yeah. Um, game one was great. I was really pleasantly surprised with the pitching, shutting down that Dodgers offense. Uh, they did a really good job in game two because it was like the sixth or seventh inning when the Dodgers finally started scoring. But then, and I'm not sure what happened last night. It, I know you were at game five of the NLCS game <laughs> last year. Um, I'll be it honest, like, it felt the same. Yeah, it really did. Even I'm glad it wasn't a game seven. I guess if it had to happen, now's a good time. We have a 2-0 lead. The guys have confidence. But I, just, I don't know what, what happened last night, but so pitching for the Dodgers tonight. So, yeah, it's Kershaw pitching for the oh, Dodgers. Thank God. I love playoff Kershaw. <laughs> yeah, he's been good so far. 
But what I want to ask about uh, what what you think about Kyle Wright, when do you think he should start next? Or when should he um, pitch next? Because in my opinion, I think pitch him soon. Because you don't want to turn him no, into a Mike Fultonevich and let him yeah. sit on that terrible first inning forever. Yeah, get, honestly, if it were up to me, I'd get him back out there tonight. I'd be like, all right, buddy, like you, you screwed up last night. We're going to give you a chance to redeem yourself. Tonight will be Bryce Wilson for the Braves. Yeah, Bryce Wilson's pretty good. But they will hopefully get this reference as a Red Sox fan. But in the 2004 ALCS, when um, the Red Sox came back from being down 4-0, Pedro Martinez got his hiney handed to him. And then um, Terry Frankston right back out there next game, and he did way better. And that year Uh, ended very nicely for my Red Sox. Eight consecutive wins. Mm -hmm. Hey, I do have something to say about Red Sox, though. We do have the fourth overall pick in the draft now. <laughs> look, look at the positive. Yeah, I mean, hey, we, we're terrible, but we kept the fourth pick. Well, that's the thing. Is, Somebody that will be in our farm system for three years before we call See, it's a good up. thing y'all are so bad. Y'all got the top four pick, whereas y'all could have been mediocre, got like a 12th pick or well, something. Well, it's sad when we have a higher pick than the Orioles. That is true. Regardless. Oh, yeah, almost got I'm on the Braves bandwagon for this postseason. <laughs> Red and blue, chop on. I am... I will say, I'm deathly afraid of what's going to happen these next few days with the Braves. See, and Daniel made a good point about the pitching is like, literally, I told you on one of the shows before the series started, I think it was the last show, that y'all's pitching was the biggest surprise in the postseason so far this year, besides the Astros advancing as far as they have. Just because y'all aren't known for your pitching, but the fact that y'all had pitched five or four shutouts in five games, y'all have pitched well, excuse me, well so far the first two games of the in LCS, obviously Kyle Wright took that trend for a turn, <laughs> to say the least. But I, I honestly think y'all can get it back on track. I really do. But like I said, if y'all don't in the show last week, y'all's offense is probably the only other offense in left standing that could compete with with the Dodgers' offense in a shootout. So, but like you said in our apartment today, that kind of comes down to key guys like Marcelo Zuna who are due for. I really think he's due. He's got to have a big game soon. I think tonight could be the night. You know, like like Daniel said, playoff Kershaw. If he comes out and starts tonight, who knows what could happen? And I think the Braves can outscore anyone. And I think he has the Dodgers been, have the second best lineup in the NL. Braves are number one. Well, I I stand behind that. I, it, I mean, even with the addition of Mookie Betts in the offseason, I still stand behind that. Um, having you know Duvall's out for the rest of the postseason, correct? Having him out hurts. If Clayton Kershaw pitches tonight like he has so far this postseason, y'all are going to have an uphill battle. But like you said, if normal playoff Kershaw shows up to the ball field tonight, y'all have a really good chance of going up 3-1 to one and being even closer to a World Series appearance and a pennant title. I'm not looking forward to Saturday if Auburn football gets followed up by the Braves. <laughs> don't, don't, My heart won't be able to take it. Let's not it. think like that. Let's just say that the series is over tomorrow. Man, that'd be great. Daniel, this series will be over by the next time we get on the air. What do you see happening in the rest of the series and why? Um, I think the Braves are going to win, and I think they're playing for their fan base. Like, with the Dodgers, this is nothing new. They make it to the NLCS just about every year. They make it, they've made it to the World Series a couple times in the last, like, five or so years. But for the Braves fans, we really, like, we've had some, we've had some, really good regular season, but we haven't had a lot to cheer for in October. Like, the last time the Braves played in in LCS, I wasn't even alive. (laughs) So, I really think that 
the guys are just going to be motivated for their fans and try to go bring this title home for us. So I think we're going to win the NLCS for sure and a six or seven games at this point. And then I would – I'd rather play the Astros. I just do not want to play the Rays right now. I'd rather y'all play the Rays just so the Astros can just get the heck out of baseball right now. <laughs> well, see, you're, you're thinking more from the outside. You know, you want the Braves to win because you picked them, and, you know, you right. want me to be happy. Yeah. But you also just – the Astros' hate is definitely outweighing. I'm looking at it like, man, the Astros are way worse than the Rays. Give me them. Well, that's true. I think y'all can beat either of them. I agree in a complete sense, but, but man, that race pitching is good. I think ever since the game that you attended with Jack last year in the playoffs, I think it's just been on the Braves organization's mind of just like we're gonna get back there and we're gonna get even farther and we're gonna we're gonna prove our worthiness. Atlanta has done that. It's time to it's kind of time to step up. I think you don't you can't worry about the pitching right now. You can't worry about any of any of the pitching staff, anything like that. I think it's. Last night, I know that the game kind of got out of hand, but it was also kind of sad from a fan standpoint to see the Braves kind of roll over and die, if yeah. I'm being completely honest. With yeah. the firepower that they have, I don't know. Being a Braves fan, I, that would just kind of <laughs> aggravate the crap out of me. It was rough. Oh, I know. <laughs> it was rough. I know. I live with you. I heard you <laughs> watching the game. Anyway, Daniel, thank you for joining us, and big congratulations on getting accepted into Auburn University. War Eagle, Daniel. We really hope so that you can be a fellow Auburn student soon. Oh, yeah. I'll see you guys. All right, Eagle. Wow, that's awesome for Daniel. It is. It'll be interesting to see what he does next year. Hey, we can we have, we can have a, uh, the announcement. <laughs> the decision. The decision. Daniel? Daniel does. Where are you going? <laughs> well, do you have any further comment before we go to the surprise segment of the show today? Well, you already tweeted it out, so it's not really a surprise. It's but a surprise for some. Yeah. I'm I, ready for it. I am, too. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can listen to us live every Thursday at 4 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. This is The Scoreboard final segment of the hour. It is here, the surprise segment of the week. We don't normally do these. We had a last minute change of program. Auburn University men's basketball team. Oh, man. They were turning a little over a month. They return in a little over we're a too month. Excited. We are way too excited to be back in the jungle. Granted, if we are allowed, <laughs> Auburn has picked up two ginormous, and I mean huge, like physically. <laughs> well, one, one star-wise, another one physically. Well, even the stars huge too. Six yeah. ten. Regardless, Auburn picked up two huge commitments. Auburn has come out with new heights and weights for their basketball team, and some guys have put on weight and even grown. We're going to talk about Auburn's basketball. The two big recruits. Jabari Smith, 6'10", 200-plus pound forward out of Georgia. Top five recruit in the nation, the highest recruit in Auburn basketball history. Yes, even surpassing Sharif Cooper, Isaac Okoro, and Austin Wiley, and Mustafa Heron, all five guys under Bruce Pearl. And then, today, Auburn picks up a commitment from Hawaii big man Sage Tolentino, the seven-footer out of Hawaii. He will be joining the Plains soon as well. Wow. A lot to unpack in Auburn basketball over the last week. Ira Bowman and Coach Flanagan are killing it on the recruiting trails. Auburn's getting heavier and taller. We're starting to get some schedule news. We you, are. You want to hear a little tidbit? Go ahead. Auburn is probably going to open the season against Gonzaga and Orlando in a little bubble with, I believe, Texas Tech and another team that's crossing my mind. But they'll play Gonzaga and someone else that Sunday. Tell them why that's huge, though. The reason it's big is because Gonzaga has the potential to open up the season as the number one team in the country. 
and that game would be on Black Friday. Well, we all know who Auburn will be playing in football the day after Black Friday. That's the Alabama Crimson Tide, who are number two in the country right now. Could and be they number keep, one. And they keep it rolling, they could be number one. Obviously, Clemson might have to lose, or Alabama just has to absolutely dominate their competition. But, besides the point, that's going to be a nuts week. <laughs> yeah. If Auburn is playing two number one teams in the country. And who knows? They can knock them both off. All right, we're a little more confident in one sport than the other. But <laughs> yes. just moving on to the excitement of this year. We will eventually get a full schedule. I'm not sure how finalized the schedule that's out on the website currently is because of COVID-19, because of the bubbles that might be put in place so that these teams can play 10 non-conference games or so. But we'll receive a conference schedule probably by November 1st. That, that just feels like the date that Should they'll do Should be that. somewhere around there. Season starts November 25th, so Auburn could potentially try and play a game right before they head to Orlando. I really just am excited because, and you know, this is this is what Bruce Pearl tries to do, tries to do to his fans, to to the to the players, to everyone, because he talks about how exciting and how good these players are, and it's not it's not he's not lying, he's telling it like it is, but it gets you excited because. You, you look at the freshmen coming in. Highly touted. Sharif Cooper, JT Thor, Dylan Cardwell, JT Powell. Am I missing somebody? Say Chris, Chris Moore. Chris Moore. Chris Moore. The soon-to-be Auburn defensive end. That is, I mean, that's the comment that he makes that, you know, you get excited about. He said today in his press conference that Coach Malzahn is going to try to recruit him to be a defensive end or some sort of line, a linebacker because he's built just like those guys. 6'6", 240. That's exciting stuff. I don't know. I am excited for Auburn basketball, and that's why we're getting way ahead of it, even though it's a month and a half out. Here's the thing. Auburn lost a lot last year. They're adding a lot this year. Those freshmen from last year, they're going to improve a lot. Two things for me. One, this is the tallest Auburn lineup we've had in a minute. And it's only getting taller in the future. Yes. Auburn, it was like two or the year that Auburn won the SEC championship uh, regular season. I don't think Auburn had a starter in that lineup above 6'7 or 6'8. Now McLemore was 6'7. Now Auburn has three guys that'll be 6'10 or above, plus another 6'10 guy coming in and a 7-footer in the near future as well, plus more because there's going to be more after that. So that's number one. Tall, athletic, long lineup who's also, who have also beefed up. Not going to push them around the paint. Number two, everybody's talking about that other basketball team in the state with that new coach that they have and how well they've recruited. This Auburn team, as always, according to John Rothstein, has the potential to fly under the radar because nobody's picking Auburn in their top 25 polls right now. Nobody's picking Auburn to finish in barely in the top tier of the SEC. Some are not even picking Auburn to make the S- or NCAA tournament. They will. I agree. Especially if Bruce lets Auburn... Last year's offense, to me, was more of a setup kind of offense where Auburn did run set, set formations and set plays pick-and-roll offense, especially against the zones and man. I think if Bruce lets Auburn get, get back to that Jared Harper, Bryce Brown, Bryce Brown, Mustafa Heron offense where he just lets them run buck wild and shoot all the shots they want to shoot and literally just show off their athleticism and their talent, Auburn can have one of, if not the best, offenses in the SEC. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Well, Bruce Pearl talked about the style of play, and he said, I really don't know. 
yeah, we're going to be fast. Look, I like to play fast. We're going to push the break. We're going to do some forms of pressing. I do like it's in transition, but I think a lot of that is going to depend on the opponent. He also said Auburn's going to shoot a lot. It's going to look, look a lot like that Final Four team. They're not going to be as good as that Final Four team. That's not what we're God, saying. That team was great. But they're going to uh, play like them. And I think that's what's important. And, of course, everyone talked about that John Rothstein tweet yesterday. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. You know, highly placed spies here in the Auburn-Alabama area are talking about Jamal Johnson. A guy who didn't play a ton last year. He had a rough month of February. I don't think he made, he made but one shot in February. I find that hard to believe. Bruce Pearl is saying he has a chance to start and that he has improved as much as anybody from last year to this year. And if that is true, that helps Auburn so much. Then that's got to be on the defensive side of the ball that he improved. That is possible. I mean, yeah, his offense wasn't there either. But his defense was, it just wasn't there last year. He played a lot at Memphis. He had that experience under his belt. He did have to come off the bench last year due to a senior-heavy team. His playing time this year should go up as a junior. He's the oldest player on this team. He is. No seniors. I can't, I can't wrap my head around the fact that he has legitimately improved that much. Well, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll listen to Bruce, and, and let's theoretically, let's look at this lineup. Sharif Cooper at the one. Jamal Johnson at the two. Alan Flanagan, your best defender on the team, at three. Jalen Williams, a potential guy to break out and... We saw the flashes of his potential last year. At the four. And then you've got Dylan Cardwell and Stretch at the five. Uh, I think Stretch will start there. Yeah. Just for the experience. That, and Bruce has also said Dylan Cardwell is super talented, too. 6'11", 250 pounds. He's ginormous. And then look at the bench. You've already got you got Turbo and Cambridge coming off the bench. I was going to say, Cambridge definitely and Turbo both have a chance to start at the two as well. They do. And I think that Turbo is going to have to fill in that Samir Dowdy role where he plays both positions. Now, of course, it's going to be a little different this year. You've got more depth because of Jamal Johnson stepping up his game. So Turbo's not going to have to play the two as much. But he can still play there because Cambridge can also play the three. But then you've got, at the three, you can play a lot of guys. You can play Chris Moore. You can play JT Thor. JT Thor will probably play the four behind Jalen Williams. This lineup is so versatile. It is. And that's what I love about it. You're not stuck doing one thing. Last year, it, just, it felt kind of stuck. In, you couldn't move anybody anywhere. No, you couldn't. This I agree. Oh, buddy. JT Thor can play three, four, five. I do miss Isaac from last year. That, Obviously. That's going to hurt. It's going to hurt that on the defensive side. And that athleticism will hurt. It's going to hurt on the defensive side, but I really think that Flanagan can... Now, I won't say he can replace him or fill his role, but he can step in those shoes, and he can do about as good as anyone will be able to do in those shoes because it's not possible to really step up to his level. A potential lottery pick. Exactly. I think Auburn really does have, like I said, a chance to be one of the best, most athletic offensive teams in the SEC this year, despite what people are saying. I mean, come on. You know what the best part is? They're going to be fun to watch. This has been the scoreboard on 91.1 FM WEGL with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU. 